Stop. It never rains at Austin Stadium. Hey, happy Monday, folks. Welcome back to It Never Rains. Tyson Aldra here, joined by Aaron Fentress. It is Monday, and we are almost done with January. We had a couple couple fun football games to watch yesterday. You got two ducks heading to the Super Bowl, and Eric Arms heading to Forrest Buckner. Aaron, my man, how are you doing? How was how was having a weekend without a game to cover? You know, I, I, I'm just curious, like, what did you so do with your life? Awesome. <laughs> uh, what did I do? Saturday, I went to the Portland State-Idaho State basketball game. It's one of my best friends. Uh, who went to college with. His son was playing for Idaho State. And then uh, yesterday, just hung out and watched football all day with my son, who was pissed because he hates the Packers because uh, they beat his Seahawks, and he hates the 49ers because they're in the same division as the Seahawks. So he was going to be bitter no matter what. But we both enjoyed the KC Titans game. I wanted KC to win because the Titans dog Mariota. And I want Andy <laughs> Reid to get a Super Bowl ring. So did, that was uh, my weekend. Did 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 you try to get your kids to be Bears fans, or uh, or did you just like figure that since it's the region and and you know you'd like your kids to have the chance to support a winner at at some point, you were okay with with the Seahawks or or how? So did this that is work? a sore subject with me. Thanks yeah. for bringing it up. But my well, oldest well, that's, son. that's what this podcast is. Is really it's just therapy <laughs> for me and you. I don't. I mean, I don't think anybody actually listens to this. So. We should call it therapy. Yeah, therapy hour. No. So my oldest son was a big Bulls fan back in the day because he was a kid back during the Jordan era, and he did not like the Cubs because they stunk, and did not like the Bears because they stunk. But he jumped on the Bulls bandwagon. My Younger son now, I could not get him to like the Bears because they had not been very good. I could not get him to like the Bulls at all. He, he laughs at them daily because they had not been very good. But he likes the Cubs because they're good in his early lifetime. So my, I basically have two sons who are bandwagon jumpers. <laughs> I, I, there's no way around it. They're just it, bandwagon fans. It, it was just funny because when, when we were down in L.A. for the USC game, I went and had uh, dinner with uh, Andrew Greif and his family, uh, former Oregon beat writer and uh, um, he was kind of just getting over the fact that his son was going to be a Dodgers fan and that was just kind of a weird you know weird thing from him he grew up in Coos Bay probably you know he's not even that big of a baseball fan but just like a, a Dodgers fan in the family like that just, just didn't didn't sit well with him so I told him he had some parenting to do so well, if my son tried to become a something like a Packers fan then that would be trouble I'd prob- probably kick him out they will probably be like those tough teenage years you know <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, let's, let's actually start on that. Um, you have, you have two, two ducks making the Super Bowl. It was actually a pretty, pretty solid playoff, um, representation altogether because you had Ugo Amadi with the Seahawks who, you know, they won a game, um, between the fact that they played in the, the national title game for the ducks in, in 2014-15 and now they got a Super Bowl appearance, like, do, do you think this adds any, a little extra luster to Armstead and Buckner or, I mean, like, uh, it, resume wise they got they got two of the the better like full career resumes now that you know some some ducks have had yeah they're living up to their first round uh status no doubt they're both balling out and i, I love to see armstead kill it because people dogged him a little bit when he was at oregon because he didn't get a ton of stats he wasn't a stat guy but he played really well when he was there you don't have to get stats as d line you know stack stats to get as a d lineman to be impactful right. uh, but clearly he's doing a great job for them as a pass rusher uh you know, but as far as yeah, like you said, going to the national title game and now a Super Bowl. Joe Walker did that for the Ducks. He won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. Yeah, uh, but he did. Go- 
not to take anything away from from Joe by any means, um, but th- these two guys are definitely more impactful to what what uh, like the 49ers have done than like what what Joe was with when he went went to the Super oh, Bowl. Oh yeah, no, I'm yeah. just I'm just mentioning guys right, who went right, right. who went to national title games and uh, and played in Super Bowls. And Joe Warner was on the 2012 national or 2010 national title game team, obviously, and then he he won a Super Bowl with the Eagles as well. And that did he play in Atlanta? Was he on? No, he was not in Atlanta when they went to it. But anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a that's a good uh, trick for those two guys, and they're they're killing it, man. I mean they're good, they're they're important, impactful guys on that team for sure. It it, it doesn't surprise. You know, I, I'm glad you kind of brought up the the impact that Armstead made at Oregon because it doesn't show up in the stats. Because you know I think people could you know look through and be like, oh well. And granted, I think Armstead's a much better player, but uh, Jordan Scott doesn't have that many stats. Well, you know, that's not really his position to, to rack up the amount of stats, but, uh, um, man, but I, I still think Buckner was one of the most impressive college players I've seen in, in quite some time. I mean, that guy was just an absolute animal and it, it doesn't surprise me that he's successful at this level as well. Yeah. But <laughs> Defoe was the lone bright spot on that 2015 defense. It's like the defense was Horrible, but he got defensive player of the year. You have to be really good to be on one of the worst defenses in the nation and get defensive player of the year in your conference, which is what Buckner pulled off. Uh, and uh, he, was, he was fun to watch because he was just destroyed double teams. And heaven forbid someone tried to, you know, block him one on one. That was not a pretty sight. I still remember just like doing a podcast with him and, and, he had his hands on this table, and I think his hands were the size of my entire head. And it was just like, oh, my God. I, <laughs> Ooh, I that's a big head, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I have to get one of those modified Twitter profile pictures to fit my whole goddamn melon in there. So, um, Speaking of your Twitter, vi- your Twitter profile. I'm looking pretty picture. fly in that thing, aren't I? Dude, yeah. you're just totally cheesing out with the shades in the grin in California. Oh, that's hilarious. I, like I, I think that's one of my, my favorite things that happens on Twitter is you get so used to people, you know, you, we're on that thing so darn much as it is. And so, like, if somebody changes their their, their picture, it, it kind of throws off your routine a little bit because you don't associate that. that pic. So, you know, I'm just trying to keep you on your toes. Hey, I, so I, I, I notice people buy their photo, not their name. It's that's I mean, you. That, I was. I know you though, but like people I don't know that well. That's totally how I identify. That, that's like, always one of my favorite. It messes me up. That that's one of my favorite things that happens, whether it be at like um, national sporting events where there's a whole bunch of media there, or like this happened with um, we had an athletic meetup in Chicago earlier this year where uh, everyone got together, and you know I'd maybe knew like maybe three or four of the people in person, but you recognize everybody. Like everyone knows everybody on Twitter. So there was like, you know, like that awkward, like everyone's kind of getting together. It's like, okay, I think I know who you are by, you, you kind of look like your profile picture. Do I act like I've met you before or, or do we, do we strike it up new or, you know, it's, it's just social media politics. It's, it's a tough field to, to uh, navigate. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, let's break down something that, um, we we were going to try to get to last week, and we just didn't quite have the time in our schedules. But it still appears that Oregon has a new offensive coordinator in Joe Moorhead. He's the former Penn State offensive coordinator, was head coach at Mississippi State for two years. Um, I, I wrote up my thoughts on on this on this uh, potential hire last week. I, I think it's a, a good one for the Ducks, a guy who has a, 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 a um, proven resume of. of uh, successful offense in, in a big time conference. I, I think it's an upgrade for the Ducks. Um, you've had some time to sit on this a little bit now. Do you, do you have anything to uh, to impart some wisdom? 
Well, my first question is, when are they going to announce this thing? Right. So, so that's the, the the timing was tough because when when the news came out, it was Wednesday night, and Oregon's entire m- m- much of Oregon staff was in uh, Omaha for the Outland Trophy presentation, and then on Friday the recruiting period started back up, so coaches were flying out. So, like, I I wouldn't be too worried about like why this is taking some time. If you go back and look at uh, Andy Avalos last year, it was like. The, the report that he was being hired, I think, came out on, like, February 28th, and the news conference wasn't until, like, March 5th or something. So, I mean, there's, there's precedent there, but I, I think you would definitely like to have this wrapped up at some point. Yeah, no doubt. It seems kind of seems kind of weird they wouldn't at least put it out there and say, oh, the press conference will be in a few days. But, yes, he is our guy. But, anyway, assuming he will be and that nothing happens, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a fine hire. I mean – he he did really well at Penn State 2016-17. He was the OC. Uh, clearly, they went, they won 11 games, I think, both seasons. The offense was obviously pretty good. You had Saquon Barkley. Which yeah, I was about to say it'd be nice having lot. Saquon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's always nice to have around. Uh, points per game was one year they averaged 37.6. And then in the 17, it was 41.1. So it's just a, what was Oregon this year, 36? I like believe that, so, I think. yeah. About right, yeah. So a little bit more, a few more points per game. But again, you had Saquon Barkley, who obviously is a better player than Oregon has had on offense since ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he would probably be the greatest running back in Oregon history. Um, and then I mean, Mississippi State yeah. didn't work out well, but he was a head coach there, and he had to turn around, you know, a, a program in a conference in a division that obviously is the the best in the nation. So you can't really judge him on that necessarily. But yeah, it's it's a good hire. It's a, I can't wait to see how long it takes for people to turn on him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So, so right now it is uh, it's January twentieth. Give me a date. I would say about second quarter of the Ohio State game. If things yeah, are going that's south, probably, that's, that's when probably we'll right. turn on them. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about this the other day because okay, this was so funny. So UW hired their offense coordinator. I can't remember what the guy's name was. And Duck fans were just ragging on it. And then Oregon hires its offensive coordinator. And Husky fans are just ragging on it. And they're both arguing over whose offensive coordinator is the better offensive coordinator. It's so funny. So then I started thinking back the history of offensive coordinators at Oregon. I remember in 04, when the Ducks had a, had a subpar season, everyone was freaking out on Andy Ludwig. And I never forget when they played at Cal and Cal beat Oregon and people were going off about, oh, it's Jeff Tedford, who was the head coach at Cal. He made Bilotti. He's why the 01 Ducks were good with Harrington was because of Tedford. Look what he's doing to Oregon now, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess who uh, uh, Cal's uh, quarterback was in 2004? Do you remember? Uh, Let me see. Is it uh, a guy who's not going to the Super Bowl? Right. Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback. And they had J.J. Arrington, a running back, who I think rushed for like around 2,000 yards. And the backup running back was Marshawn Lynch. That's a good name. I forgot about J.J. Arrington. Yeah, and the backup running back was Marshawn Lynch, who I think had 700 yards or something like that. Oregon had a fine quarterback in Kellen Clemens. I mean, second-round pick, good quarterback, no doubt. And their running back was was, uh, Terrence Whitehead, who was a decent running back, but nowhere near Arrington or Lynch. My point being is that they clearly had the better quarterback and the better running back, and receivers were about equal, and everything else was, you know, and so they were better. Now, the next year, though, Led was gone. Everyone loves Gary Croton because they moved to the spread. Oh, yeah, we love Gary Croton. Look at us now. Yay. And then the next year in 06, when they struggled with Dennis Dixon, it was, oh, my God, Croton sucks. Croton sucks. And then what did Croton do? Croton left Oregon and went to LSU and won the national title. <laughs> 
what the hell is she tigers? So then fast forward, Chip Kelly is the greatest, Chip Kelly is the greatest. He leaves under Frost and Helfrich, their office was actually better than it was with uh, um, under Chip, but whatever. And then you fast forward to, they go to the Rose Bowl, they win the conference this past year, and everyone's dumping on Arroyo, and now they're all excited about this guy. So it's just funny how these things go back and forth, or who, who you love, who you don't love, based in the moment, when it's not really based on anything other than whether they're struggling or succeeding at that time. You got to have ballers. You got to have studs to carry out any offense. We'll see what this guy can do next year, but he's coming in having to replace the offensive line, 80% of it, and a new quarterback. So we'll see what he can do with that. Permission to go off on a random, random tangent? Sure, here? please. Okay, so so you brought up Kellen Clemens' name, who I often feel like is one of the most um, overlooked or forgotten about, or like really good organ players. Uh, and keep in mind, I, I wasn't here when when he played. You know, when he played at Oregon, but I, I wanted to ask you, like, what what was his kind of rep, or just how was he thought of when he played at Oregon? Because if like if if you look at this guy, he's gone on to have like what a fifteen year NFL career or, or, or what? Like, yeah. is he still is he still in the league? Uh, I think he might. Is he? He might finally see forever. Is is he in terms of his college rep, is he is he a, a product of wrong time, wrong, wrong place? Like if he would have come along ten years later, would he have a completely different organ legacy? Or am I just having recency bias since I wasn't there and because no, I just his, feel like he's no, never talked about no, it? No, no, his Yeah, his the situation with him was that he broke his leg at Arizona at the end of 05, toward with two with three games remaining, and they were they were they ended up being fifth in the nation coming out of the regular season that year, and then they lost to Oklahoma. But he broke his leg like with three games ago in the regular season at Arizona, and then Dixon and Lee sort of finished it out. So he never had like closure to his season. Had he finished off that season and they finished the year twelve and one and beat Oklahoma, which I think they would have with him, then I think his legacy would be more intact. The difference between him and Dennis, though, is that Dennis didn't finish his season e- either, but that team was headed probably to the national title game, and he had the Heisman in his hand. Right. He was a little bit more electric. But in reality, Clemens was the better quarterback career-wise than Dixon. Dixon just has more luster to his name because he was a little more electrifying, and he had the Heisman in his hand. That's sort of his his uh, his legend, right? But no, Clemens was legit, man. I mean, he had 19 touchdowns, four interceptions before he got hurt. That was in eight games. So, <clears throat> And he, he ended up being – he was a United finalist. He was, that was announced, I think, the week he broke his leg. Um, he would have definitely been easily a top 10 Heisman, if not you know, pushing for top five. He, he, he was completing one of the top key boys in the, in the nation on a, a top five team. Yeah, he, he was completing 64% of his passes then too, which you know, this day and age might not sound all that impressive where like the spread has completely in, increased completion percentages. But that's that's a pre- right. pretty damn good figure for 2005. Yeah, and that was the first <laughs> year of the spread too. That was the first year they were doing it. He really, right. he really made that thing go. But no, he was a, he was a baller, man. He was legit. Um, how cool was that Peyton Pritchard shot? <laughs> okay, so you know, I'm watching that game. I'm watching them chip away at this lead, right? And I'm thinking, you know what? When they got to three or five or something like that, I was like, you know, they're gonna win because I just felt like UW was melting down. They were gonna make some plays, but then. You pulled away a little bit more. Ah, so I was kind of lukewarm the whole thing. But Pritchard always seemed to make some type of play at some point to draw them closer or keep you dub from pulling away again. And so when he stepped back the way he stepped back on that, I'm thinking he's obviously got to launch it 
and I when he let it go, I kind of felt like, you know what? That's just going to go in. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Like, it didn't seem like, oh, no way situation. It was like, yeah, I think that's going to go in. <laughs> like, it was just, he was having one of those nights. Uh, but that was an impressive, impressive shot by him. Uh, man, he's, man, I remember last year at this time coming into conference or even like into conference more than that, he was really struggling. He was yep. one of the reasons why they were off in such a, a mediocre start last year. And then he tweeted something about the haters or whatever. I remember on Talking Ducks, we were talking about it. I'm like, no one's hating on him. He wasn't playing well. Like, it's just a fact. And we all expected more from him. I expected him to carry more of the load last year and be more of a focal point. Now, he did, though, the last part of the season and into the conference tournament and to the into the regular term. And then this year, he's picked up where he left off last year. He looks like a guy, I think, that can make an NBA roster now. Um, and he's, man, he's turning into a, a special point guard for them. Yeah, you know, Pritchard's a guy who I wouldn't bet against in any facet. And it, there, there, there's two things that I love about his game right now. One is I don't think that he thinks he's any better now than he was four years ago. It's just now that his talent has caught up to to where his head's at. Like, I, I think probably four years ago, he probably thought he would have made that shot. There's no way he would have made that shot four years ago. He's just actually at that point now. And then two, he he missed he, like he's going to miss that shot a lot, but. I, I, I don't think there's any player that I've covered for at Oregon, maybe other than Dylan Brooks, who is just going to keep firing that shot. Like, I don't think there's any doubt that creeps into that guy's head and he, and he's going to just keep, he's going to keep firing. And, and there's, there's, he, he's the best player at Oregon I've seen in a long time. That is just, you know, he's getting the ball in crunch time and he's either like, yeah, that, that was a, you know, a, a Trey Young, uh, Steph Curry-esque type shots. But, like, he is so darn good at getting to the hoop for a guy his size. Like, he, he's a little cannonball. And uh, it, it, it's definitely fun to watch in crunch time because this Oregon team can legitimately be down by 10, 15 points. And you go, like, yeah, they might have a chance there. So if if, <laughs> if, if they can keep it up, like, I, I don't know how he's able to um, stay in those. Like, he plays so hard from minute one to, to the end of the game that, like um, – it's it's amazing that he's been able to keep himself in, in good enough shape to be able to play those types of minutes because he I think he's number two in the Pac-12 in minutes right now and that's after you know a four year career of, of having already a lot of minutes on your body so it's I, I'm I'm impressed with him definitely you're you're forgetting one guy in your coverage lifetime though who never shied away from anything oh Joe Young did you cover Joe Young I cover I covered Joe Young. Yeah, I, I covered I, I covered his last year uh, when he. Man, okay, that, I'm thinking of someone else though. You're forgetting someone else. Okay, in over the last four or five years. Uh, oh yeah. Oh Tyler Dorsey. Yeah, bro, come yeah, on. Yeah. That boy was shooting from the parking lot when he got out of his car. He did not care at all. <laughs> yeah, Woo. good point. Good point. <laughs> this uh yeah, oh, yeah. Th- this 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 Oregon team's fun because I I think. Uh, you know, last year when they kind of went through this uh, January, February speed bumps or so, like you still like you kind of wondered like, OK, even if they make the tournament, how much can they do? And they were able to put together a, a pretty incredible run to make the Sweet 16. But I, I feel like this team, even despite that that first half struggle against Washington, they're, they're further along the road. They have better talent around Pritchard that can actually score. Um, yeah, I, I'm still pretty pretty high on this team, and then I, and I like the way that they're able to fight back in a January game because it means that Altman's able to, has it seems like he has their ears uh, pr- pretty early in the season compared to when it's just like oh shoot let's get this together right before we have to go to Vegas and, and win this whole freaking <laughs> tournament to make make the real tournament. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the last time they really got off to this good of a start was the last time. 
was it was the final four 16, year, yeah. 17 season yeah. of the final four, yeah. Um, I'm not saying they're going to do that necessarily this year, but they're they're looking good early, and Altman's teams always peak late, especially defensively. And the way they <laughs> the way they played defensively last year, obviously they had Kenny Wooten. Um, you can't replicate that, but I expect them to at least reach higher levels of defense come tournament time and be be a factor, no doubt. And then you know with Pritchard, when you have that number one guy who can be. A, a clutch player like that, they're going to be a threat. That, that's that's the one thing that's weird about watching this Oregon team is it, it, it feels like for the first time since the year before, like Jordan Bell and Chris Boucher, Chris Boucher came in, they don't quite have like your bona fide uh, rim protector. Like, and, and Folly Dante is going might get there at some point, but he's still coming along. But Oregon gives up a lot of points at the cup, and, and it's just. I mean, that's just the way their team's structured. Like, that's that's not their most dominant spot. But it's it's just weird watching a guy drive and not have, you know, Chris Boucher, Kenny Wooten, Jordan Bell coming in there to, to swat him out there. So it's, it's just different to watch. Um, now, let's take a pessimistic approach just for the hell of it. I, I love being now, pessimistic. So. <laughs> so they won the game. It was dramatic, et cetera. But what do we make of it if we look at it a different way and say, okay, for the weekend, though, they lost at Washington State. And they need a little bit of luck to escape Washington. Is there a at all any reason for concern there? Sure, but um, you know, I, I I do think, especially when they get to tournament play, they're going to want to be able to rely on somebody else consistently for scoring outside of Pritchard. Like we know what we're going to get going to get with him, but um, whether it be uh, you know being able to get more consistent outside stuff with like Mathis or. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I I just I've never been a person to put too much stock into January basketball. I mean, this is still way early in the year. Um, you know, I I think people have a tough time coming out of college football season where you see like one loss and be like, oh my god, the season's over, and like that's not quite the same with college basketball, unless you're like a team that's like really trying to flirt with like a number one ranking. But uh, I I like where Oregon's at, but um, I, I definitely don't think that where they're at in this iteration right now is, is ready for the tournament, but they, they obviously have some time to, to get there, but let's, let's, let's bring it on. Let's, let's hear your pessimistic take. I don't have one. I was just bringing it up. <laughs> they, they always <laughs> no, lose I, that. They, they, they always seem to lose like a random game in Pullman though. When they're, I, I'm pretty sure it was that final four year. It was either that year or the year before when they went to the lead eight, they, they went out and had a complete dud out in Pullman. It's it's like when you're playing either there or when they're playing at Colorado, those are just two places that Altman doesn't really have a bunch of luck in. Was that the Dylan Brooks flop game? No, that was at Utah. And that was, that was, uh, Utah. Okay. That, that was one of the, uh, the best things I've ever seen in person. It was, uh, <laughs> I, that was uh, 2016, so right around the time when you're just like, oh, that's going to turn into a meme or a, or a GIF, and and it in- instantly went viral. That was that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with you. It's you know, you, you play that that many games in conference, you're going to have a couple does, no matter how good you are. I mean, that's just that's just life. It doesn't mean anything. The bottom line is they they didn't get swept, and they're rolling along. USC is coming in UCLA this weekend, so. They're on a roll, right? Uh, what one other thing I covered? Uh, I covered the women's game on Thursday uh, when Oregon played uh, Stanford, and uh, uh, Stanford came in as number three. It was supposed to be uh, this this big, tight matchup of of two Pac twelve powerhouses, probably number two seeds in the tournament right now. And Oregon just smacked them around. It was honestly one of the most um, impressive crowds I've ever seen at Matthew Knight Arena. The butts were in the seats from from opening tip. It was a sellout and fans were were on it from the start. And um 
Sabrina's a really good basketball player. That that was an impressive she, performance. Are you sure? Because I, I have my doubts. She, <laughs> yeah. Okay, she doesn't block enough shots for me. Yeah, yeah like that's yeah. my problem with this. You know, <laughs> like she's like I feel like she's slacking in that area, so I have some reservations. But no, I'm kidding. No, it, p- p- people were giving me shit because it was the uh, uh, it was the first game I've covered. It's the first game I've been to in, in several years. And it just happens to be like Sabrina goes off for like 37, 8, and whatever. It was like her all time. She broke the Oregon scoring record. It was her career high points performance. It was, uh, yeah, I lucked out. It was it was a pretty fun game to cover. And uh, they have a, a, another big one coming up this weekend with uh, the, the Civil War series. So I'll be out there Friday night to, to write up that game. Oh, that's going to be good. Yeah. The basketball, uh, basketball is doing pretty good in the state right now. Actually, uh, I wanted crazy to. that the- Sorry, They're go ahead. Top five, right? Yeah, uh, Oregon was Oregon was seven <clears throat> when uh, they beat. St- I mean, they're probably top five now. I haven't seen the new rankings. Isn't that crazy? That, that that's bizarre to me. That, that that two of the top five women's basketball programs in the country are in the state of Oregon. Yeah, it's 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 awfully. I mean, like we got a pretty thing going, pretty good thing going here in the Northwest. I mean, you, like you can look at baseball with like Oregon State and how how consistently good they are. Football team was good, you know, for our little little uh, foresty neck of the woods up here. We 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 have some decent stuff to watch. Oregon State football needs to keep keep rising though. I want I want them back. I want that civil war to be something important again, like it used to be back in the day. That that's that's something that I completely missed. I mean, was kind of the era before I I joined the beat. Was just you know in the two thousands, you had several good Civil War games where it actually meant something. And I I feel like yeah, Rose Bowls were on the line. Man. Yeah, and I feel like that was kind of like like this was such a good decade of football for Oregon. But like in terms of like the rivalry and everything, like it, I feel like that's that's the missing piece. So uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get a little bit of that coming up. So let's touch on. I want to touch on something that I just found hell of a music. Speaking of rivalries. So the new coach for UW football, Jimmy, uh, coach Jimmy Lake, at halftime I think it was of the UW Oregon game, spoke to the crowd, you know, like coaches do, new coaches especially, and uh, he mentioned that in December Washington signed the number one recruiting class in the Pac-12, <laughs> and Oregon Twitter went. Bananas. No, go bananas. <laughs> but people were freaking out, man. They were tagging him in tweets, calling him a liar, calling him out. It was it calling out his integrity. It's so hilarious. So I made the mistake of even trying to get involved at all. I I knew whoa, whoa, I knew whoa, they were wait, wait, you tried to get in the middle of something online? No. I but, I, I, but the thing <laughs> is, I was totally being innocent about it. I ended up sketching a ton of crap about it. But I, I knew that they weren't still ahead, ahead of Oregon. I remember, though, that they were in December. And the first tweets I saw about it were saying that he was claiming they had the number one class now. <clears throat> and I knew that wasn't true. So I, I just looked it up because I, I thought it was like, they, they were well below Oregon. I couldn't remember exactly. So I looked it up and I saw they were only like 3.43 points behind Oregon in the composite, right, on 24-7. Right. So I'm like, in this day and age, when politicians are lying like left and right about provable things and it just doesn't matter, like it just, it just doesn't matter if you can prove I'm lying. I'm going to say it anyway because it's what my side's going to do. 
So I just sort of was mocking that going, eh, in today's landscape, 3.43, that's not that big a deal. And sure enough, people just start bombarding me with, ah, it's still a lie. Why are you defending a lie? And I'm like, oh, my God, these people have no sense of humor. How could you not get the joke I was making? But anyway, so, so here, here's, the, here's the funniest thing about this for me. So then I heard the video or heard the audio from the video. And he did say we signed the number one class in December. That's 100% right. They were ranked ahead of Oregon in December. Oregon pushed ahead of Washington after getting Manning recently. That was like in January. So technically he wasn't lying. Also, on scout.com, Washington still is ranked ahead of Oregon, but Oregon's ahead of of Washington on 24-7 Composite and Rivals. So he wasn't even lying at all. But it was just became this tizzy, and it was just amusing and frightening to watch at the same time. The uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean that that kind of hit right in the the wheelhouse of Oregon Twitter because uh, uh, Oregon fans are are very proud of their recruiting rankings, and it's something that the Ducks have done well for the last about three years or so. Um, Washington fans always like you know like whenever Oregon like uh, I, I think when they won the Rose Bowl, Washington fans were like getting in on like. Oh well, we won the title twenty five years ago, or like whatever. That that's always usually a beef, and so Oregon fans like to like to play up the recency of, of how well they did this decade, of, of how they kicked right, Washington's right. butts and and recruitings and stuff. So that was just that just had everything to make just a stupid day of Twitter all around. It was it was it was beautiful to watch as uh, Washington fans got riled up about or about like the what exactly he said and Oregon fans getting riled up about what this coach said at halftime of of a <laughs> of a January basketball. It was mm, chef's kiss. It was it was beautiful. <laughs> you were just wise enough to stay out of it, unlike me. <laughs> that, that, that's 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 going to be my solo podcast. You know, uh, years from now is just wise enough to stay out of it with Tyson Alger. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be an hour Stay of on the silence. Sideline where it's safe. Yeah. <laughs> I think I ended up like just that one little innocent tweet. I think I ended up having to mute like six people in block three or something like that. Yeah, but that was kind of your desired result. It's, you know, it's. No, it was not. I was literally just joking. I thought people would get the joke. It was like 3.43. That's, that's nothing. That's a half a star on a guy or something. That's, that's, a, that's a GPA. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ah, uh, shoot. Kids. All right. Any uh, any clothing, uh, closing thoughts coming up here? Uh, looks like, you know, uh, the... Uh, free the, Marcus. Free Marcus. Yes, sir. Marcus is free. I can't wait to see where he ends up. I still think he's a starting caliber quarterback. I still think he got jacked around. Now, it worked out for the Titans. Brian Tannehill played great. I cannot question their decision because it worked out. I just think Marcus still got screwed. And I, I think Tannehill is a great example of how you know, quarterbacks sometimes take time, man. Quarterbacks are on different clocks. I, I thought I was surprised when Miami let Tannehill go. Because if you look at his look at his stats, they aren't they aren't bad. They don't represent a bad quarterback. Clearly he hadn't looked like a franchise quarterback, but I was surprised they just gave up on him. But clearly they they were they were tanking, as we all can tell from what they tried to do this year until they until they got the new coach who tried to win games at the end. But Tannehill's resurrected his career. Now we'll see if Mariota can go do the same thing somewhere else. Somewhere where they'll he they'll use his abilities, let him use his his escapability, his his uh his his feet, his legs, run, whatever you want to call it. They did not do that in Tennessee. They kind of made him a, a pocket only quarterback, and I never, I'll never understand that. So hopefully, he'll go somewhere where they'll let him just be him, and uh, maybe he can flourish. 
Yes, sir. Hey, I was thinking I was thinking either next week or for one of our uh, upcoming podcasts coming real quick, maybe we could do a, a bit of a mailbag and a- answer some uh, um, listeners questions. So if, if you've made it this far into the awesome. podcast, either hit us up on <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Tyson Alger. What's your Twitter, Aaron? Is it you got a J in there at Aaron J Fentress? Um, hit us, hit us up on there, dro- drop us your questions and, uh, um, yeah, maybe we can do a little bit of a mailbag style podcast here coming up. So, uh, um, yeah, th- this has been another episode of it never rains. Thanks for listening everybody. And we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back soon. Yeah.